Hello, and welcome to the Clinical Care Options Infectious Disease Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Blanchett. Today's episode features coverage of the 2020 Digital International Liver Congress, organized by the European Association for the Study of the Liver. During this podcast, Dr. Stefan Zoizem from the JW Goethe University Hospital in Frankfurt, Germany, will discuss important new viral hepatitis data presented at the Congress, including studies focused on HCV elimination and the treatment of hepatitis C, hepatitis B, and hepatitis delta. For more information on Dr. Zoizem and for a link to additional online CCO coverage of the Liver Congress, including a downloadable slide set covering the studies discussed in this episode, please visit the show notes. Now let's get started and hear what Dr. Zoizem has to say about these new data. Welcome, Dr. Zoizem. Thank you, Jen. Hello to everybody around the globe. Nobody had to travel back from Easel at the first time that this meeting was organized in a virtual way. I was quite impressed how well it was organized. Um, but I must say I'm missing contacts to my colleagues and peers, uh, discussions uh, in the breaks and sitting just in front of a computer for uh, almost three days uh, was a little bit exhausting, but I think we put an interesting program for you together, a rapid recap, as we call this ESL 2020 conference coverage. So we looked into a couple of issues. First, HCV uh, elimination, uh, progress uptake and implementation uh, strategies. Um, We have chosen one topic uh, in the treatment of uh, HCV infection. And we also uh, look into some um, hot topics in HPV infection. And this will be followed by a question and answer session. And I hope I'm able to answer all your questions um, uh, at the end of this program. So let's start with HCV uh, elimination uh, progress update and a look on implementation uh, strategies. There is um, a big group around Homi Razavi in the United States who does really an incredible job uh, in using an updated Markov model to evaluate the progress towards HCV elimination in actually all countries around the world. And he, at ESL 2020, he reported the updated numbers in high-income populations using his model. He used demographic and epidemiologic inputs sourced from the world population prospects and this Polaris Observatory, which uh, is the organization which monitors for several diseases very carefully the uh, current uh, epidemiology. Um, They added uh, annual new diagnosis of HCV to the model and the treatment data from 2017 to 2019. They pinpointed the timeframe, each country likely to achieve the WHO targets. Just to remind you of the WHO targets, uh, they uh, ask us uh, to achieve an 80% reduction in incidence, 65% reduced mortality versus the data in 2015. They wish us to diagnose 90% of patients and 80% uh, should be treated. And we then have here the countries 
which are on track. We have currently only 11 countries which are on track to eliminate HCV um, in uh, the WHO uh, provided time frame until 2013. These are currently Australia, Canada, France, Germany, Iceland, probably the country which quickest is going to achieve elimination of HCV, Italy, Japan, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, and the United Kingdom. Ten years behind are another five countries and one year behind, uh, another decade behind um, uh, another single country, Saudi Arabia. However, the vast number, unfortunately, of high-income countries will not be able to eliminate HCV if they continue with their current practices before 2050. And these are listed on the right um, uh, column here. Uh, and there are a number of surprises for me because uh, some countries definitely would have the opportunity to um, perform much better and to be by far more aggressive in terms of diagnosis, linkage to care and treatment. So to summarize, among the 45 high-income high income countries, WHO elimination targets for HCV estimated to be met by 2013, only in 24% of the countries, an additional 11% by 2040, and by an additional 2%, this was Saudi Arabia, by 2015. Remaining 28 countries, 62% of all high-income countries are off track by at least 20 years. And we have still 11 of those 28 countries which still endorse treatment restrictions related to fibrosis level, which is really definitely scientifically, clinically, and ethically outdated. The analysis assume that HCV diagnosis and treatment rates maintain at current thresholds. Service expansion will be critical to improve targets. Of note, three countries previously off track for 2030 have course corrected and one country which was previously on track for 2030 has slipped to the by 2040 stratum. Canada focused elimination efforts in population provinces, Germany improved diagnostic tactics and Sweden removed fibrosis related restrictions on HCV therapy while on the other hand South Korea has experienced declining treatment rate and lacks comprehensive screening initiatives. So clearly things can be improved. There is no reason that countries remain in a certain bucket. Those who are in a good bucket, a green bucket, have to continue with their efforts. Those in a yellow and red bucket can still improve their strategies and be back on track what uh, is um, uh, envisioned by the WHO. So this is a perspective of complete um, global um, uh, elimination and it's very interesting to also look into issues of micro-eliminations and we know um, from various modeling that indeed um, diagnosis and treatment in prisons is one of the key um, issues because there's a big overlap of patients and persons who are injecting drug 
uh, and the uh, inmate population in prisons. Australia was very engaged here and run a large interventional clinical trial enrolling incarcerated persons across um, various parts of Australia into an open prospective cohort beginning October 2014. They had two um, uh, prisons with maximum um, security and two prisons with uh, kind of medium uh, security. I'm not quite sure how this is defined, but probably related to the amount of barbed wire around those institutions. The HCV status and risk behavior was assessed as baseline in every six months thereafter. And if uninfected or previously infected, those persons were followed for primary infection or for reinfection, respectively. And if infected, they were evaluated for HCV therapy. Intensive treatment with DAAs begun in Australia to be scaled up in the mid-2017s with 12 weeks of sofosbuvir, valpadesvir offered to all HCV RNA positive individuals and the HCV incidence compared to periods before 2014 to 70 versus after 2018 to 2019 um, really show um, uh, a big uh, treatment uh, scale up and uh, interesting data with respect to the uh, HCV uh, incidence. In the little table uh, on this slide, you see um, some characteristics um, of the prisoners. Um, there is uh, almost half of them who have never injected drugs, but you see that uh, there is an additionally and similarly high proportion of patients who have used drugs uh, before current imprisonment or uh, continue this uh, during the current imprisonment. And uh, there uh, is uh, at almost uh, um, a quarter of those patients who have continued the use of uh, injectable uh, drugs within the last months. There is a little bit more than a quarter of those uh, people engaged in uh, opiate substitution uh, treatment. And uh, what is uh, a big concern that uh, the Australian prisons are providing treatment, but no dispensable and one-use equipment. And therefore, uh, the rate of shared injecting equipment is incredibly high. On this slide, you see the trends for the primary HCV infection and the HCV uh, reinfection on the left and the right panel, respectively. And if you compare the two time frames, 14 to 17 and 18 to 19, you definitely see by scaling up treatment that there is a substantial decline in HCV incidence per 100 patient years. Um, and if you uh, look at the right panel, there's also uh, a predicted trend if this uh, large uptake of treatment would not have been initiated. Uh, and you see how much the observed trend uh, improved the situation in prisons in Australia. There are some factors associated with HCV acquisition. The uh, study period um, shows that the high treatment rate, being it uh, a lower prevalence or being it 
more awareness of uh, prisoners uh, themselves because treatment was offered declined in the study period 18 to 19. The um, previous in prison um, uh, increases the risk of HCV uh, um, uh, infection and the injecting uh, drug uh, status in the current imprisonment also has a major impact on HCV infection. So it's particularly high, six times higher um, than if somebody uh, has not used uh, injecting drugs. Um, so if somebody has used uh, injectable drugs within the last six months, the risk is uh, tremendously uh, increased. Interesting also the uh, prison site uh, at the last uh, visit, I would always have anticipated that the risk, and this is the situation, at least in my country, that uh, female prisons have a much lower rate of HCV infection. But here it turned out to be somewhat uh, uh, the opposite. So did Vineyard um, is a female uh, prison had actually uh, the highest risk of uh, acquiring HCV for, for me, unknown reason. Certainly interesting to uh, elaborate and learn out of these uh, further analysis. So clearly microelimination, even in these difficult environments uh, is possible and is certainly going to have a major impact also when uh, those prisoners are discharged and back uh, in their community in avoiding uh, any third people being infected um, due to the fact that they were cured while in prison. Treatment of hepatitis C infection is the next topic I would like to cover. We have excellent drug. We have two drugs, clezetovir and biprentasvir, uh, as well as sofosbuvir, velpadasvir, which achieve incredibly high uh, sustained biologic response rates in uh, the first uh, uh, treatments. Nevertheless, um, one or at most 2% are failing those first-line therapies. And the question is, what can we offer to patients who have failed um, a previous um, uh, uh, regimen? And here the uh, shared um, uh, consortium um, uh, were collecting data um, uh, from a large number of um, uh, patients, 130 patients, um, various uh, countries infected with various different uh, genotypes, predominantly genotype 3A and 1A, the typical genotypes which fail um, in the first uh, run. And they actually looked for um, treatment uh, failure, uh, particular in two regimens, that is the GP regimen and the triple regimen, of sofosbuvir, velpatasvir, and the protease inhibitor, voxilaprevir. So here we have a look first on patients who failed GP. Here we see that over 90% of GP failure patients were retreated with softvelvox, and uh, almost 100% of patients who failed the GP regimen actually achieved a sustained biologic response rate um, with the triple treatments of Fosbevir, Velpadesvir, Voxilaprevir. If you recall the approval study of Softwellvox enrolled patients which were historically treated or failed 
the earlier DAA regimens. And there was no patient in the original uh, publication um, uh, authors by Mark Bollier and published in New England Journal some years ago who were actually pre-treated with GP because GP was not yet available in those days. So we had clearly missing data what is going to be the chances of soft valve box in patients who failed GP. And it's really great news that even with GP failure, soft valve box is eradicating in a second round uh, the hepatitis C virus. And this happens actually across all genotypes. There was no selection um, uh, of certain uh, genotypes which did better or worse really across all genotypes, almost 100% were cured with this uh, regimen. Fewer patients were retreated with soft well. That is certainly not what we would uh, recommend. If you look at the variants which were selected by GP, um, you see in the little table on the uh, right side that uh, GP failure is typically associated with um, selection of variants in the NS5A region and less frequent in the NS3 region. And there is a substantial proportion who have um, actually either the NS5A or the NS3. So if you look for genotype 1A, more than 90% have selected for variants in genotype 3A. Almost 80% have selected um, variants for either of uh, those uh, uh, drug classes. And here you see the um, selection of um, RAS um, in patients have failed to sofosbuvir, velpadasvir, voxilaprevir uh, therapy. This is a very rare um, occasion and uh, it's very um, uh, active group that they collected uh, 20 patients who have failed. Oh, it's, it's even a little bit more. It's 48 patients, 49 patients who have ever failed sofosbuvir, velpadasvir, voxilaprevir. That was a big effort to find those patients. And uh, you see in genotype 1A, there were 11 patients who failed therapy, um, 19 with genotype 3A. These are the predominant genotypes which may uh, create or may be associated with, with failure. And there are a few 1As, uh, 1Bs, which failed uh, soft valve walks uh, therapy, uh, but they could not collect any uh, other genotypes here. Most important is here the fact that uh, the triple therapy uh, is confirming data from the just mentioned study from Marc Boulier that indeed the triple therapy is not selecting for new variants. You see in blue the uh, RAS uh, situation at the baseline and in red after soft valve box failure. And you see that on average the bars are pretty much similar, clearly showing that indeed a uh, regimen consisting of three mechanisms of actions, uh, such as it is the case with sofosbuvir, velpadasvir and voxilaprevir, is not selecting for any variants and therefore uh, giving better chances um, uh, if ever necessary for a retreatment. Retreatment of patients who fail soft valve box is typically recommended in the international guidelines to comprise a regimen of GP plus sofosbuvir 
and there is no consensus on the duration of therapy. It's ranging from 12 to 24 weeks of therapy, and the addition of ribavirin is at the discretion of the treating physician. We have not uh, received all final responses from all retreated patients who failed uh, triple therapy, but you see that uh, there's a number of patients who uh, achieve a sustained biologic response in the retreatment with GP plus soft plus or minus uh, ribavirin. But you also see that uh, in the second lowest column of the left side, that uh, there is, for example, a patient with genotype 3A who failed again uh, retreatment, even with the most advanced regimen given here for 16 weeks. And you see in the last row of the right hand figure that another 3A patient uh, was retreated for 24 weeks, but he was retreated with soft well, not with GP and not with sofosbuvir, and uh, he failed therapy. Therefore, my recommendation personally, if you get it reimbursed, is always if you have patients who failed uh, soft bell walks and you go for a GP plus soft treatment, I probably would always choose 24-week um, treatment duration. And if it would be possible from the hemoglobin of the patient, I would probably also add ribavirin. So summarizing those uh, shared cohort uh, findings, um, is that approximately one-third of patients with GP failure have no resistance, meaning that two-thirds have selected for variants. The majority of patients with triple therapy failure, soft box, did not have specific emergent RAS pattern versus baseline. So there is a clear difference between the two regimens. And retreatment with the triple therapy after GP failure is highly affecting achieving almost 100% SVR rates and most importantly achieves SVR across all genotypes. Among patients with triple therapy failure, those with genotype 3 and 1A and probably those with cirrhosis are the most difficult to retreat and rescue therapy should probably comprise GP plus of bosphobia plus or minus ribavirin as we just discussed. Now, this is another study looking uh, into a GP and triple therapy, um, and I don't want to guide you through all the details, but the question was, uh, if you have failed as a patient with any previous DAA therapy, dual therapy, DAA treatment, what may perhaps be the better retreatment choice, GP or soft Velvox? Since there are no head-to-head -head studies available, the authors around uh, Stephen Flum uh, tried to collect the data from a large cohort um, and matched those data um, uh, accordingly, trying to find uh, equal groups and to give, at least in this uh, retrospective way, a possible answer on which regimen may be superior for patients um, uh, suffering from um, uh, failure to uh, original uh, therapy. And uh, here we see that uh, overall in both the intent to treat as with the protocol, uh, per protocol analysis, that overall the uh, retreatment uh, sustained biologic response rate were high, 
but if you um, uh, compare uh, the two regimens, for example, uh, if you go to the row of ledipasvir sofosbevir, which is the white line, fourth uh, line uh, on this slide, you see that in the ITT um, uh, analysis, 95% were cured after DAA failure with triple therapy, but only 83% with GP. And if you look in the protocol analysis, this was very similar. So apparently there may be differences between uh, the two regimens and uh, overall the data um, uh, also after propensity score matching, trying to balance the baseline characteristics of the patients in the registries um, remain with uh, a hint or, is, um, or uh, uh, some evidence from such a retrospective analysis that in particular patients who failed a lidipasvir sofosbevir regimen or a sofosbevir valpadasvir regimen that here there may be uh, an advantage for retreatment with soft valvox over cletapravir biprentasvir um, uh, with respect of achieving an SVR. Nevertheless, it's not a head-to-head -head prospective trial, um, but I think it's the best we can uh, get in terms of data because I cannot envision due to the small numbers of patients uh, and uh, other reasons that ever a prospective uh, trial will be performed for this question. So let's have a look on HPV uh, therapy. I think this was the highlight of uh, EASL meeting, and uh, um, this is a, a multi-center prospective trial, not of a new compound, but rather of stopping um, patients from uh, a long-term uh, nucleic acid uh, treatment, um, patients all E-antigen uh, negative. So um, we had here patients um, which had uh, normal aminotransferases receiving either in the majority antecavir or tenofovir for at least four years, and they were uh, necessary not to have progress to advanced fibrosis or cirrhosis. Also, patients with viral co-infections were excluded. So here, um, 158 patients were randomized either to continue with the respective nukes for another two years or to continue, discontinue uh, the nucleic acid, uh, the, the nuke therapy uh, and see uh, what is going to happen in patients where the treatment is stopped. The primary endpoint of this study was HBS antigen loss after week 96, so after two years. And there were some secondary endpoints that the time of HBS antigen loss, the time to seroconversion, the virologic response, biochemical response, the time to fulfill retreatment criteria, and uh, the proportion of sustained remission, which was defined as HPV DNA less than 2,000 IUs per ml and normal ALT. And here you see on the right side the graph. The red line represents patients who were continuing treatment on the nuke, and there was not a single patient 
people lost HBS antigen. However, in the group of patients who discontinued the nuke after at least four years of therapy, you definitely see uh, a number of patients over time, no specific time points. So the loss of S antigen can appear early. It can appear late in the course of discontinuation. But overall, eight patients, which refers to 10.3%, um, have lost antigen. No treatment was indicated in another 70%, almost 70% of patients. So two-thirds of the patients, 67.9%, 53 patients, did not meet the indication to restart therapy um, with a nuke after stopping it after four years of therapy. Retreatment was indicated in six and actually initiated in uh, 11 patients. So the big message here is almost or around 10% of patients lost S antigen. And if you compare this to a number of currently evaluated um, new medications in uh, the hepatitis B field, investigational compounds, one must state that probably the next control of the new investigational compounds must be, again, discontinuation of nuke therapy, at least in the e-antigen negative population, because that is now a kind of new standard of care um, in non-serotic e-antigen negative patients. Few more yeah. data were presented. The loss of s antigen was most favorable and most frequent in patients who had an s antigen at baseline below a thousand so um, i think that's a clear message if you have a message to uh, a patient tomorrow who is on long year nuke therapy and he has an s antigen level at baseline when he was started with a nuke below a thousand it's probably worthwhile discussing with this patient as long as he's non-serotic to stop therapy. Because in this population with low HBS antigen at baseline, 28% lost the S antigen by stopping the therapy. And there was no um, difference between the previous nuke therapy. So apparently there is not a specific um, nuke, which uh, is uh, favoring this loss of S antigen. If you look now at response and safety, it's quite a non-prainer that if you stop therapy, you are not expecting uh, additional side effects. Nevertheless, they were covered, but they were, of course, not drug-related because the drug was stopped. Continuation of nuke therapy showed eight severe AEs, which are listed here. Um, they may be causally related or just associated, but I see uh, a couple of them which probably are even uh, causally related to continuation of nuke um, uh, therapy. On the left column, you see uh, the outcome after two years in patients without retreatment. You see that there is um, uh, two-thirds of patients who have HPV DNA uh, above 20 IUs per ml, but there are 
almost 20% of patients who are below 20 IUs per ml. There is a, a huge proportion of patients who maintain normal ALT levels, almost 80% um, after um, discontinuation and uh, two years after stopping uh, the treatment. And there is a, a substantial subset uh, who actually have a sustained uh, remission and nevertheless, they need to be followed up. They may have a later reactivation requiring restart of therapy, but I think it's really good news that uh, something which is moving uh, into clinical practice, the easel guidelines have already mentioned discontinuation of nuke in this population as a possible uh, treatment. I think uh, APASL and ASLD guidelines have to consider those data now as well and perhaps uh, reconsidering their recommendation because here stopping a nuke in e-antigen negative is not yet um, supported unless the patient loses S-antigen during therapy, which as we see in this study, never or very rarely happens. The last uh, couple of slides are just summarizing um, what kind of drugs we currently have approved. We have the nucleoside analogs, which are reverse transcriptase inhibitors, and we have pegylated interferon. And I like to mention that there is a large number um, of new compounds being developed, being entry inhibitors, HBS antigen release inhibitors, immune modulators, inhibitors of protein translation by siRNA, CCC DNA silencing compounds, and core inhibitors. There were a number of interesting data presented, which I'd just like to cover briefly. There was uh, the compound against hepatitis D with another study um, uh, presented. So here, the entry inhibitor bulevirtide was given at 10 milligrams once daily subcutaneously in combination with pegylated interferon or as a monotherapy or as a combination therapy with um, tenofovir. And the primary endpoint was HDV RNA undetectable rates at week 72. So people were treated for a year and followed up for half a year. And it's good news for our patients with Delta hepatitis, especially the combination of bulimertide, which is now already approved in Europe in combination with pegylated interferon showed very good synergy and showed substantial HDV RNA undetectability at the end of therapy, achieving 86.7%. Um, uh, and if you look at the week 72 outcome, so after 24 weeks of follow-up, we had still 7% of patients HDV RNA undetectable. We had one third of patients with ALT normalization and two patients lost um, the S antigen. So clearly the combination PEC plus bulevertide is superior according to those data than bulevertide in combination with tenofovir. A couple of other data were, uh, were shown um, of RNA uh, interference, a compound from uh, Janssen, which is also now moving in combination therapy with other compounds. Um, that is uh, a compound um, uh, which is, of course, targeting 
viral RNA and can achieve substantial decline in uh, S antigen. Um, uh, we'll see how this uh, is maintained once you stop the therapy. There is a compound um, um, now known as GSK836, which uh, is working also by RNA interference, showing very profound uh, HBS antigen reductions by in some patients, uh, even more than three logs. And it was uh, generally very well tolerated. So I'm sure we're going to see even more data on uh, these compounds in the future. And I also like to mention the uh, two other drug classes, core protein inhibitors. There was an interesting new compound called Vebicovir, uh, which had a nice safety uh, profile and had uh, some early interesting uh, data in e-antigen negative patients. And there was, uh, last but not least, a compound being investigated as a TLR8 agonist. And here, 5% uh, of patients, uh, one out of um, uh, 50 patients, uh, achieved uh, HBS antigen loss, which, of course, compared to the 10% of stopping the nuke treatment is a little bit disappointing, but uh, still immune modulators are uh, needed. Therefore, the TLR8 agonist class may be still interesting to follow up, but I'm not quite sure what is going to be the next clinical program um, uh, of this compound in uh, forthcoming uh, clinical trials. With that, I'd like to uh, finish. Uh, thank you for your attention. And if there are any questions, I think we still have a couple of minutes time to answer them. Great. Thank you, Dr. Zoizen, for that presentation. We have had a couple of questions, so we'll get through as many as we can in the next couple of minutes. Um, um, a participant named... Uh, Ulrich asks, which is, in your opinion, the most promising mode of action in the new approaches for functional cure of chronic hepatitis B? Of hepatitis B, you mean? Mm -hmm. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. If, if you take the data from easel, stopping nuke therapy is highly effective. So that is going to revolutionize also the clinical trials in uh, uh, the future. And... Um, uh, especially for the e-antigen negative patients uh, being on a nuke. Um, clearly, uh, if you take it away from uh, there, um, there must be combination therapy. Um, and uh, I guess certainly uh, some with interference of uh, messenger RNA uh, uh, decreasing the SI, uh, decreasing the S-antigen um, will be uh, key. And uh, nevertheless, we have to wait for those trials and the on-treatment uh, response will not be crucial. We really have to wait until those drugs are stopped and see what kind of uh, response is going to be maintained. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, so another question that's actually related to the STOP-NUC trial. Um, Mark asks, although the, in E-antigen negative patients, discontinuing therapy resulted in um, a 10% S antigen loss, but what is your view on the HCC risk in those who discontinued but didn't achieve S antigen loss? Yeah, it's an interesting question whether those who discontinued may have a slight increase uh, in their um, uh, incidence of HCC. Nevertheless, 
we know that the EHCC incidence is highly correlated with the HPV DNA levels. And we have seen that those who lose S-antigen have no detectable HPV DNA and that there are even more patients which really remain at very low levels of HPV DNA that I think that uh, the overall risk uh, indirectly speculating is not going to be uh, incredibly or clinically significantly uh, increased. And uh, this has to be also balanced with the willingness of the patient to take uh, antiviral agents for the rest of his life uh, and uh, for potential side effects there as well on the long-term um, application. Great. Okay. Um, Chris asks a question about the shared core cohort and how treatment failure was defined. The question is, given that one-third had no resistance after GP treatment, is it possible that some of these individuals were reinfections as opposed to treatment failures? Yes, that is always uh, a potential uh, potential uh, reason, but this would require diligent um, uh, phylogenetic analysis and sequencing of the virus to rule this out. So uh, there have been studies in, in the past that um, uh, late relapses um, up to 50% uh, were actually new infections. And it's certainly fair to, to state that, that we cannot exclude this possibility. Okay, great. Okay, I think we have time for one more. Um, Neil asks um, for your thoughts on how, to what degree is elimination, HCV elimination, related to the DAA reimbursement strategies that are taken in different higher income countries? Is it just a matter of whether treatment is paid for or not? I think uh, you have, of course, to differentiate uh, according to the individual healthcare system. You have, of course, the high-income countries, um, 45 countries, where actually reimbursement should actually not be uh, uh, an issue. And then there have been a lot of modeling showing that it is absolutely uh, cost-efficacious uh, to uh, eliminate HCV in terms of avoiding uh, late complications of cirrhosis and, and cancer. Uh, nevertheless, even though uh, those drugs are generically available in many parts of the uh, economically less wealthy part of the world, um, uh, it's still uh, prices sometimes very prohibitive for the general population. And uh, here really programs have to be started by uh, the government and health care authorities to make access and availability um, at low or actually uh, no costs available for the population because of the major benefits in avoiding later complications and costs. Great. Thank you very much, Dr. Zoism, for providing this important information. And thanks to all of you for listening in. As a reminder, to view CCO's full program covering the 2020 Digital International Liver Congress on the Clinical Care Options website, click on the link in the show notes. Please be sure to check back regularly for more episodes on important infectious disease topics. Thanks.